You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Long time no talk. Flying the Call is back for the second of three episodes this week. Today I'm talking with Nicole from Hit Like a Girl, all about Heart Racer, which is out now on Refresh Records. If you're a fan of bands like Pedal, Harmony Woods, and Oceanator, you'll feel right at home with Hit Like a Girl. Heart Racer has just as many huge moments as it does intimate ones. We hit on storytelling through music, connecting with fans outside of a strictly musical setting, and Nicole's nonprofit, No More Dysphoria. But before that, music writer Joel Funk and I have another round of What's the Buzz for you. This time we're breaking down tracks from Downhall, Hot Mulligan, Pronoun, Slowly Slowly, Future Teens, and Olivia Rodrigo. And don't forget to check the show notes for the accompanying playlist. Dig it. starting off with my new favorite downhall song Barry which is the intro to their album that just came out on Friday and I don't know it's a fucking seven plus minute opener it's dark it's like almost primal almost metal and it like completely flipped my expectations for what the album was going to be and uh, it's like I loved Before You Fall Asleep, and this blows it out of the water in every single way for me. Yeah, it's like like you said, it's a seven-minute-long epic, basically. It's a great intro to what they did with this record, though. Um, Followed up with a six-minute track. Yeah, they, they're definitely not trying to deliver you anything concise, but it doesn't matter because you like you want to hear everything they're doing. It's it's never like it's never not holding your attention. Um, and it reminds me a lot, um, at least tonally, of like. Uh, an introduction to the album by the hotelier mm-hmm. like just like a solid super strong like right at the gate just so you know this is different than what we did before but you're gonna love every second of it yeah for sure all right and then uh the next song we have is featuring mark hoppus by hot mulligan um i am a little biased when it comes to this band i think like i have i've loved them for a very long time um but the songs that are on this new EP, um, I Won't Reach Out to You, that's coming out this Friday, are some of the best that this band's ever, ever, ever written. And uh, featuring Mark Hoppus is a great, like, single for this handful of songs. Uh, Tades, I believe is how you pronounce his name. You think I would know. But I, I, I like hearing him actually sing as opposed to, like, doing the, the sort of yelping, screaming that he, he did uh, a lot leading up to this. Um, and just melodically, I think this is some of the most intelligent stuff this band has done. And I enjoy, uh, title wise, whenever they do stupid shit like this, cause it usually ends up working in their favor. 
Uh, this got them on Mark Hoppus's Apple Music Radio show. Okay, I almost thought that I dreamed that. <laughs> no, nope, no, I I didn't think it was real until I heard the clip, which is like <laughs> so wild to me that like a band like Hot Mulligan size is like one featured on Mark Hoppus's radio show and two had Mark Hoppus ask on the air if he's allowed to be featured on a Hot Mulligan song. <laughs> Uh, and it also kind of worked out for them on their debut album, Pilot. They had a song called um, Are You Happy Now by Michelle Branch, I think. It was a Michelle Branch pun, but it ended up getting her attention as well. So it ends up really just widening their audience every single time that they do something silly like this. And yeah, I don't know. I'm very proud of the progress this band is making. Yeah, I, I love the name, but I almost like I'm like, this is almost like the farthest I can let names like that go. Like, well, oh, what's the sure. next step in this? <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. What is the next step? Because it's even... like, it almost like it got me when I first saw like the, whatever, the, an email blast or something. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, like, because that's like, it's believable. And it's like, it would be big. It's noteworthy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. My buddy, uh, when the song came out, sent me a text at work and he was like, holy shit, Hot Mulligan has Mark Hoppus on a song. And I was like, ha ha ha. No, they don't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I don't know. I love when they pull stupid stunts like this. It always works out in their favor. And the song is just a fucking banger. Like, no question. Uh, there's a reason that I can't stop listening to it. Yeah, I think uh, Hot Mulligan, for whatever reason, is one of those bands that, like, I feel like I need to put some slight amount of effort. And, like, if I once I do that, I would, like, fully become a fan. But I just haven't, like, put in, you know, the time yet. Well, lucky um, for you, there's that EP coming out this week. So. Yeah, I didn't realize it was coming out so soon. Um, but, yeah, like, I really enjoyed this. I really, you know, kind of love, like, the the grittier vocals as well. Yep. I, for some, I was had in my head that they're more of like one of the on the cleaner side of pop punk so maybe that's part of the like subconscious bias behind why i haven't you know given them the college try but uh i'll definitely be checking out that ep for sure yeah and uh yeah if you like the rougher vocals i think you'd love uh you'll be fine the album that came out uh i want to say last year but they didn't get to do anything with just because of you know covid because they went on hiatus (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) but uh that has some of the like the most gruff vocals this band's ever done so nice and then hot mulligan are actually label mates with pronoun who's up next with uh want to die but i can't because i gotta keep living on wax bodega i think they started off more as a you know record like selling records and so now they kind of went on a little bit of hiatus for a while and now they're back as a label which is nice two cool releases to start off with though for sure oh 100 percent and I mean, same with I want to die, but I can't because I got to keep living. Sometimes it really do be that way. <laughs> uh, yeah. Never, never have I heard a more relatable song title, though, other than uh, I always want to die sometimes by the 1975. <laughs> but it's just like, yeah. And Pronoun just killed it with this track. Everything from the way the production sounds, like the way the vocals are mixed, even like usually I want the vocals mixed super high above everything else because that's what I cling to. But like with them being not buried, but kind of like, they feel like level with everything else. Yeah, they're like rhythmic. Yeah, it gives that like band in a room vibe, right? So you feel like you're, it almost feels like they're playing it for you, not that you're listening to it, like being recorded, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you're there watching it happen, you're experiencing it, and it just feels, it feels very live without being a live recording. And uh, it's just, the, the, the chorus of the song is huge. I 
am excited to hear this whole EP. Yeah, Pronoun is like so great, and this EP is their best to date. And at, like you're saying about the huge sound, I it's like bedroom 80s arena rock it's not bedroom pop it's exactly bedroom 80s arena rock it's like so over the top and awesome and i just love it yeah i mean they're killing it so i'm excited like i said i can't wait to hear this thing up next we've got blueprint by slowly slowly shocker i'm talking about another australian pop punk band but slowly slowly is one that i feel like I say pretty often, I think these bands would like blow up in the States, but I think Slowly Slowly has the best chance given like the current uh, resurgence that pop punk is having in the mainstream. Like it's like the genre is like back from the dead for all intents and purposes. Yeah, it really feels like that. With pop stars making this these big pivots to it and like, like Olivia Rodrigo having a couple songs on here that are on her debut album that are basically pop punk songs. It's just like, uh, obviously, we're going we're going in that direction where pop punk is going to be huge again. And Slowly Slowly, I think, is a band that they've really cut their teeth, like paying homage to the 2000s pop punk bands like uh, like Blink and like Taking Back Sunday. But they also really love the indie rock of that same decade. Like they love uh, Bon Iver. Um, they love Death Cab. And you can hear that kind of sprinkled in um, on their last album, Race Car Blues, that came out at the beginning of 2019. They released, re-released that at the end of last year, I believe, with like 10 bonus tracks, which was like such a blink move to do. But uh, the bonus tracks were all just as good as what didn't make the album, unlike uh, California Deluxe. And um, this is a brand new song entirely and probably the strongest this band's ever done. Like the hook is just so intense and like so like heart racing like pound the like pounding the walls like you just want to move when you hear it and i've started like exercising pretty regularly again and when i started up like kind of intensely last week it was a half an hour workout where i I just listened to this song for half an hour on repeat because it's just like it's just a, a kick in the ass yeah it really like feels anthemic it feels like i can hear a crowd singing along and it like makes me it like makes me feel like i did when i was seeing the bands that i loved like in high school yeah that's a great way to put it it gives me big hearing this song like i've liked liked this band for a little bit but hearing this song reminded me of how i felt when i heard coffee eyes for the first time like that kind of just intense, like, oh no, this band is like, it. yeah, like it's dialed in, and yeah. this is, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> and then up next, we got Future Teens with their cover of Shares Believe, which the first couple of times I listened to that EP, I definitely did not remember it was a cover until the chorus hit. <laughs> yeah, that's how. Um, this is one of two covers I've heard of this song in particular that have come out this year, and both of them. I forget it's a cover until the chorus hits every single time. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, especially with this one for me, like it feels just so like effortless. Like I was fully sold on it being a future teen song, like so much that it, it just felt natural. And I like, I, I love that kind of cover where it's like a band just totally makes it their own. Like, cause there's, you know, there's some songs that where it's like, okay, either has to be the exact cover or it's just going to sound weird. But like when a band can kind of like tap into that and, you know, totally change a song, it's like so much better. 
I think why it works so well for future teens is like they're they're really at home with what they're doing, right? Like this isn't a band that's trying to find their sound. This is they've really they've they were at home in it really with uh with their first album. Uh, and by the time that breakup season came out, they were just like really perfecting it. And everything after that just feels like so like lived in. So this cover one like the slowed down version of this song lyrically it does feel like a future teen song right which to me drives home that this band knows spence just been writing and knows how to write a fucking killer pop song but slowing it down and really being able to tap into the energy they bring to everything else just just sells how special this band is and uh, they did the same thing with uh, their cover of begin again by taylor swift where it's like yeah sure taylor swift wrote that song but this is a future teen song through and through yeah, I feel like, like I was saying, there's some songs where it's like it either has to be the exact cover or not. And like, I really wanted to love their cover of All Star, but All Star is just like, it's the, one of those songs for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. Uh, I did love that Smash Mouth shared that cover, though. So yeah, like, same. <laughs> I, I love seeing, I love seeing weird shit like that pay off. Like, it's it's just so cool to see. For sure. Um, and then next, uh, we have Brutal by Olivia Rodrigo, the opening track to her debut album, Sour. I was really caught off guard by this album when Driver's License came out. It was huge on TikTok, so I couldn't like open the app without hearing it for a minute. Um, I wasn't sure that I really was uh, vibing with how melodramatic it is, like, I was very quick to be like, man, you're 16 years old, man, whatever. You don't, it's just, it's your first heartbreak. Man, 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 man. And then Deja Vu came out and I was like, okay, so maybe she's, her voice is good. Maybe I should give driver's license a shot. It all really clicked for me when Good For You was released. Cause it just, that's just a misery business for like Gen Z. Um, and Brutal is obviously the first song on, on this record. And it is, such a smart way to introduce everything she talks about here she like one the song feels like it could have been record like performed by pink slip which is like Lindsay lohan's band and freaky friday which is like <laughs> not an insult 100 a compliment but like it's just got this angsty sort of pop punk definitely you could tell she listened to like to bands like paramore growing up and like she's obviously taking taking inspiration from from that sound um and it just it touches on almost every theme that she revisits throughout the album it talks about her insecurities it talks about being exploited like to be seven, 17 and have the lyrics um who am i if not exploited is i mean wild to me uh and the she does this thing uh in the chorus of this song and in good for you where she like almost talks things so like the fact that the last line of the chorus is just her going, God, it's brutal out here. And then the guitars, like everything picks up. I'm just like, thank God that we're bringing, we're bringing this back to like, to being pop music, that pop music is going back to like, not just being 808s and shit. Yeah. It's funny. Made the Freaky Friday reference because that makes like so much sense to me. Cause like, it, it feels like just so 
snotty to me like the song uh-huh. just ha- it's like sneering at you the whole time and it's like it, it it borders on corny but like ultimately falls like just to the side of feeling genuine and yeah like hearing you talk about that um, about like the album i'm really interested to hear you know the rest of it yeah it's a it's a journey man so like she does this pop punk thing pretty well uh, and then she obviously has like the big pop moments like deja vu is through and through a pop song um I remember hearing uh, when Good For You came out, I remember hearing somebody or reading somebody on Twitter say in just three singles, Olivia Rodrigo has touched on the last decade of pop music. She has gone through every single phase that pop music has touched in the last 10 years. And it's cool to hear that on this album. Uh, The songwriting, which isn't solely her, like she did work with co-writers, but the songwriting on a lot of it is reminiscent of what I love about a band like Future Teens, for instance. Like it's very, it's very personal feeling. Um, and I think, I think if you can shake the idea of it being like this uh, big, like top forty being pushed record, and just listen to it for like what it is, I think it's something you'll really, really end up enjoying. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on some of these songs because, man, does she deliver? And also back to the snotty thing i think i enjoy most of this song like lyrically it is just kind of a critique of everything that she uh, has dealt with since driver's license was released like she says that uh if she has to they say these are the golden years but i just want to disappear and she's talking about how she can't even really pay attention to herself because she's caught up in the news cycle of who is in love with her and who hates the boy that broke her heart and she can't trust anybody because she's rising to this level of stardom so quickly that everybody's trying to grab on as quickly as they can and get what they want before they before the star burns out and she's doing it without it being like a whiny woe is me that was the buzz and here's my conversation with hit like a girl so how's it feel to finally have the album out feels great um it's definitely been a very anxiety ridden uh weekend for sure but it feels nice to finally, yeah, just like have it out. And I don't know, um, it kind of just feels like a big, gigantic, like check mark off a really short to-do list. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. I mean, despite the fact that there were like just two singles, there was a lot of kind of like cool content around the rollout of the album, you know, like the vinyl video game coffee. Um, I'm curious, like what part of the rollout were you most excited for? Um, I thought the game was like pretty sick because, um, for I mean even before the pandemic I've been trying to wrap my brain around like how to connect with people through um some like your mobile device basically or the computer or something just because unfortunately I feel like you know a lot of people are whether they want to admit it or not addicted to their phones in some capacity right I know I am I'm not afraid to admit it I hate it but it's true so you know for a while I've been trying to think about like how do I connect with people through the internet through your phone other than just releasing music and you know music videos are cool things like that so i don't know tossing up a lot of ideas i finally settled on a mobile game and then just trying to pick one was obviously you know something i thought about for a while and then it was mostly came down to like the reality of like what can we actually do and who can actually make and build what so um when we linked up with steve wozniak at uh chill biz that's he was kind of like, you know, I can realistically do this, like, you know, 
two minute long like mario canon shooter game thing i was like perfect let's do it <laughs> nice i mean can you talk a little bit about kind of that that want to connect with people in ways outside of your music specifically i just feel like unfortunately like people's attention spans are just so short you know if you release music or a music video or any kind of cool content it only gets that buzz for that day and then it's on to the next thing you keep scrolling you keep swiping you do you know whatever it is you got to do you go to work you forget about it you come home you go to watch tv you go to bed so you know but for most of the day you are checking your phone every time it buzzes every time you get notifications the little red flags you know whatever so what else can we do to connect with each other besides just the very average formula of, I, I want to say a release, I guess, you know, I feel like a lot of people release things in the same formula, myself included. Um, you know, you put out a single, maybe a video, then it's on Spotify. Maybe you put out a video, then it's on Spotify. And I don't know, there's really not too much outside of that little formula and then at the end it's always the record and then not too much to follow after that it would be a tour you know but right so I don't know just trying to think of unusual ways I guess to try to connect to people when all we do all day long is stare at our phones yeah I mean now that the album's out how have you kind of seen the the content density slash like music sparseness in the rollout um, kind of affect the way that people are connecting to it? Like, do they seem to be taking it as a whole or are there kind of like front runner uh, tracks besides the singles? Right. It's definitely hard to tell. Um, you know, obviously when you play a show, like you can literally talk to people in person they can tell you face to face, like what's up. So right now the only way we have to measure the answer to that question is via you know, Spotify for artists or Apple for artists, you know, things like that. So looking at like stream counts and what cities and where, you know, seeing if we're added to anybody's like individual personal playlists, things like that, uh, which is all really great data. And I'm really appreciative that I have access to it. But unfortunately, it doesn't really, I don't know, it's not like, it doesn't tell you if they like it. It just tells you if they stream it. Or someone could press play and walk out of the room and like go about their day for all I fucking know, you know? So... It just going off stream counts, it looks like it's being received pretty well. Trying to get people to engage with me online to kind of see who's liking what, what's people's favorite songs, stuff like that. Now that we go through, every, everything goes through refresh records as far as like a lot of like the band camp side of stuff. So I'm not really seeing the results of that stuff yet until I get like the like a report back. So live in time, it's hard to tell how it's doing. Uh, and I mean, you mentioned kind of like how the album is kind of usually the the final thing uh, or the final big thing, but also it sounds like you kind of are hoping to, you know, grow past that or like continue to allow it to grow with you. Have, are there any kind of like uh, exciting things you have planned coming uh, post-release? Yeah, I, I have one more piece of content, if you will, um, planned, but um you know, it's nothing that you've never seen a band do before. So it's nothing, you know, elaborate or exciting. Well, maybe it's exciting, but it's nothing, you know, crazy thought out or anything. So I'm not, I'm not that creative <laughs> or unique. It's just, uh, yeah, I got one more thing planned. And yeah, I, I guess I'm just in the meantime going to be thinking of other ways to try and connect with people. Like there's live stream gigs I see people doing all the time, obviously. But it's not, those aren't like super fun for me. 
So uh, like doing it live, it's like, I don't know, sometimes it winds up being more stressful than not, especially when you're like, oh, does it sound good? And there's, it's just a, a weird, awkward pause. Someone finally answers you in the chat. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, I think you, you were on the uh, alternative one uh, the, on Sunday, right? How'd yeah, that yeah, go? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was fun. That was because that, that was it. Wasn't just playing. It wasn't like just me and my guitar playing songs to my computer, you know. So it was a little more uh, unorthodox, which was more fun for me. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I, I mean, to me, hit like a girl kind of sounds like if uh, Pedal and Harmony Woods had a baby, and then who maybe went on to become good friends with Oceanator or something like that. That all sounds accurate yeah we're all we're all buddies nice uh, i'm curious how you kind of like went about discovering your sound hmm um i guess that's a good question i all my songs kind of start off like on an acoustic guitar and i always think to myself like hmm, maybe the song would sound good if it stays just acoustic but i guess i like you know as much as i really enjoy slower like more emotional kind of music i also love touring and playing shows live and i know as a you know, some an audience member at a show. Personally, I like more upbeat energy at a show. Uh, it's just, it makes it more fun for me. So I kind of put myself in other people's shoes when I'm playing. I'm sure that they probably also would like to bop around and like, you know, have a more upbeat, fun kind of time. So, you know, trying to sing emotional lyrics mixed with upbeat music is sort of what my goal has always been, just to try and like mesh my two biggest interests also i like to be accessible like i want your parents to listen to my music and like it you know yeah i mean i feel like that that aspect definitely comes through on heart racer like i feel like the drums are like super bombastic and the you know the instrumentals and the vocal melodies fit like together really well and i mean the sound as a whole is like honestly huge did you kind of have like a clear idea of like the, the potential for these songs going into the studio or was it something that really like came out while recording and like in post-production? Maybe like half, I would say like 50% of my answer to this question is yes. Um, mostly because we did like all like send demos back and forth to each other beforehand. So I had like a rough idea of what I was getting myself into, but a lot of ideas were birthed in the studio for sure, which, uh, was really cool. Jacob Blizzard recorded a lot of the lead guitar and a lot of, you know, bass and things like that on the record. And he just blew my mind. Like he is such a phenomenal musician and the way he really was like, kind of like, I don't want to say took charge, but like he definitely had ideas and wasn't afraid to voice them. And they were all so good that like everybody was just like, yeah, do it, go for (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, with you being kind of like the, the constant in hit like a girl, I mean, the way you're talking, it sounds like the, the community and collaboration aspect are kind of a key part to the band as well. For sure. Yeah, I definitely really love seeing what people bring to the table. Um, and I'm not shy to be like, oh, I don't like that or, you know, whatever. Um, but luckily, I kind of only ask people to help me that I know I'm going to like what they come up with and bring to the table to begin with. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, and I'm like, not really super picky. Like if someone comes up with something good, it's like, I feel like it's dumb to just be like, no, let's hash out 17 other ideas and then pick one. It's like, no, that's good. Let's just go with that. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. And I mean, like, how does the the songwriting process typically go for you? Like, do you have most of the songs written before you bring anyone else in? Yeah, so I, I 
write a lot. Um, so like I said, almost all my songs start off with just me and an acoustic guitar, um, just to get like, I guess I call it the skeleton of the song. At least I want to know how the song's going to start and how, the, how it's going to end lyrically. Cause I guess, uh, my favorite part about songs is usually the lyrics. Cause in my head it's storytelling. Um, so I try to be really narrative in my lyrics and I try to tell a story literally. So I need to make sure everything I want to say gets said. And then, you know, if there's anything particularly important, maybe that'll be the chorus, maybe not, who knows? Maybe it'll just be a linear train of thought kind of song. But I'll start it as acoustic guitar and then I'll record just guitar and vocals on my computer. And then I'll send it to my friend Fred and I'll be like, does this idea suck? Is it worth pursuing or should I scrap it? And cause he'll tell me honestly, like this rocks, this sucks. So if he says it's good, then I'll try to build on it. But then he'll also try to build on it at his house and then we'll just like record ideas and send them back and forth to each other and then we'll forget about it for a long time <laughs> and then revisit it like a year later and be like oh yeah 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 that song that was sick that's usually what happens <laughs> is that like intentional or no it's because it, <laughs> it's like if i write a song i'm not going to go to the studio and record it tomorrow you know what i mean so realistically it's like I just have a bunch of like random garage band demos on my computer that are all called, you know, sick riff standard capo two, you know, whatever. Those are all the project titles. And then, you know, when I'm actually trying to like make a track list of a potential new release, I'll like write down what I have and then go back and be like, Oh yeah, this is good. Like I'll, I'll go with this or you know, whatever. Or I'll already know ahead of time. Like right now I have like two songs that I've written since heart racer that I really, really like that I would like to record. I don't know if it'll be for a release or anything in the future, but, you know, I will stick a pin in it and revisit it later when the time comes. Gotcha. And I feel like it's kind of such a weird thing now that we're getting to the stage where pretty much all the music being released has been recorded in the pandemic. I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of what the studio, studio experience was like for you. So we recorded at Headroom in Philadelphia. It's uh, home to a lot of my favorite records and a lot of my favorite bands have recorded there. We recorded with Alex Melendez, who's a friend of mine. We both spent time together filling in temporarily for a band uh, called Kississippi. So we met through doing that. And we had to wear masks the whole time, which is great. Um, the studio was really good about keeping things clean. And while we were there, um, I don't know if you're familiar with anyone that works there, but um, one of the engineers, Kyle, like came with like, I think he said he spent like a thousand dollars on this like air filter thing that he just like put in the main control room, like while we were there, which was cool. They made it really apparent that of like sanitizing microphones after every use, especially the vocal mics, they had a bunch of pop filters for every one that has done vocals and they would sanitize them between every session and stuff, which I thought was really nice and considerate. But yeah, I guess it like, as far as like a regular recording experience versus a pandemic recording experience, you know, it was, it kind of like, it felt, I felt bad because I thought everybody was like almost maybe a little bit mad at me for like being there, you know, in a way. Cause like maybe they didn't feel a hundred percent safe or comfortable. I don't know. I, I'm sure that wasn't the case, but my anxiety brain can't help but think that maybe uh, not everybody was like, you know, everybody was, I think, anxious. And I can feel it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's so weird, like, now that kind of tours are starting to be, like, announced and stuff. And it's like, 
it's so hard to you know read like the tone like what what feels right <laughs> now that's why i literally tweeted today i was like what are y'all thinking like what's up <laughs> i want to know because you know i feel like a lot of people have a lot of mixed opinions on exactly that like where do you do you have an opinion on tour announcements for the fall i mean i guess it doesn't hurt to announce necessarily sure, yeah. i don't know how confident i am that anything's gonna happen like i don't think anybody is i don't think anyone is 100 percent confident that touring is going to resume in the fall but i think everyone's got to get on the books because they're going to miss the train if not you know let's say like everything does go well and we can tour again in the fall and you didn't book anything and now you have to wait because there's venues that have holds until 2023 probably sure. yeah um which you know whatever like i'm sure there's enough of everything to go around it's just like why not be hopeful i guess is the way i see it and like literally i don't think anybody will have a problem with canceling tours and shows if it comes to, like come the day before you gotta leave it's not safe and people are still getting sick and getting you know hospitalized and whatnot like we're not going <laughs> yeah i think that's really what what it comes down to is like how, how people handle that <laughs> yeah, like i think a lot of at least a lot of the bands that you and i probably look up to and listen to like have the decency to be like no it's not safe we're not actually going we'll just reschedule again we've uh, we've done it th probably once or twice or three times before in the past year we can do it again you know yeah, yeah i've like like uh last week i think I, I got tickets to a couple um like outdoors you know pod based shows and even that i'm like well i'll buy the tickets and i'll see how i feel when the time yeah. comes right exactly Oh, and I mean, Don't Go Far is kind of one of my early standouts on the album. Like, I love the kind of like chugging guitar parts and I feel like the tones are super interesting. And of course, the feature from Kylie from Pile is great, too. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about how that one came together. Um, I'm a little I, I, I've been paranoid that maybe people would stop listening after that song just because the next song is the next two songs are slower. And, um, you know, Don't Go Far is like over five minutes long so I'm like worried that like people will think it's too long and stop listening or something but that one came together in the same vein just I uh, recorded the demo it's just me and a, a guitar and I really didn't know where on earth it might go at first Jer Birkin recorded drums on the record and at first they weren't gonna do it at first I had um Liv Patel from uh, Adult Mom like planning to record the drums so I've been sending her the tracks and she was writing drum parts like on her like electronic drum kit and sending them back to me. And she was like, you know, I'm really having a hard time trying to make this song move. And I was like, it's cool. Like it's long, it's weird. Like I get it. And I don't even remember what the original demo sounded like. This one was a lot of like studio stuff because like um, there's like a part after the first verse where it kind of sounds like the speakers are like breaking. That was something that Jacob did in the studio you know, like that, I didn't know what's going to happen until we were there. So that one was a lot of like on the spot stuff for sure, because of, I, I remember in like, there's a synth harmony in the choruses that I was like, it just like, it just, I just started singing it while somebody else was tracking, you know? So it's just like a lot of that, like came to light in the studio, which is cool, which is exciting. Yeah. And I mean, how does that kind of like those spur of the moment kind of additions, how does that like kind of affect the storytelling that you hope to do with the songs um so the lyrics don't change so that's you know i guess 
the most important part at the end of the day to me. Like I need to be able to, if I have to play shows alone, I will. So if I can't play the song acoustically by myself and still have a good time and say whatever I want to say, you know, like that's, that's what I think about. So like, you know, I think lyrically the story is still all there. There was suggestions to cutting some of it because it's so long, but I don't know. I didn't want to, and we made it work. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, and then I also wanted to kind of hit on the, like the cyclical nature of the album, like boomerang ends kind of abruptly, which made me go back to see like how it fit in with laundry list and the transition is pretty much seamless. Like what kind of made you go for that structure? Well, it helps that they're pretty much in the same tuning and like really identical chord shapes. Um, but I don't know, I guess I knew I wanted, laundry list was one of the earlier songs I'd written and boomerang was one of the last songs I'd written. And not that I, put the songs in chronological order or anything, but it just sort of like felt when I was writing them that that's where they were going to be. And I was like, all right, well, if these are in the same tunings and I'm using really similar chords, it would be cool if one just went right into the other. So yeah, it kind of feels like laundry list is like this, like, I like to think of like a flower, like blossoming. Like I feel like laundry list is like the blossoming flower to the rest of the record. And then maybe like boomerang is like, I don't know, like the seed, and the steps growing or something <laughs> nice <laughs> uh, and as far as like the the storytelling aspect i think inside my head is um one of my favorites on the album can you tell me a little bit about uh the message behind that one yeah that one is definitely the first song i wrote for the record um out of all the songs that is the one that i wrote first um i wrote that three or four years ago um it's about a crush big uh big surprise there I can't really remember exactly like my like where I was in that time frame when I wrote it, but I just really all I can remember is that it's in an open tuning and you know, I was like kind of learning the tuning and learning some chord shapes in that tuning and I don't know, those were it, I used like similar chord shapes I've used before in a very long time ago in the past. So like it just kind of came about very similarly that day. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> nice. Uh, I, I mean, your work through uh, No More Dysphoria is something that's kind of pretty closely tied with Hit Like a Girl. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of like a, a little more about the organization, how it started. Sure. Um, the organization came before the band. It started like in 2015 with some friends I was living with at the time uh, slash friends that came over all the time to hang out with me and my roommates some of which have removed themselves from participating in the organization just due to safety and privacy and stuff like that, which is totally fine, but they gave me their full blessing to carry forward. Um, so just being around like DIY musicians for the greater majority of my life, it was just like the only way I ever knew how to like market anything. If you were like, yo, sell me this pen, you know, I would do it in a really DIY band kind of way, just because that's the only way I know how to sell stuff. So right off the bat, we knew that this organization was going to be heavily associated with music, tongue-tied some way or another. Um, so at the time, we pretty much always were at um, local shows for two bands from New Jersey that at the time were like really popping off that I was like close friends with. And then once hit like a girl started i was just like all right i'm just gonna 
use hit lucky girl now to bring no more dysphoria up um so that worked uh i guess <laughs> it was just an easy it was the easiest way i could figure out how to get the word out there because like i said it's the only method or platform i know how to utilize and do you do you see more people finding hit like a girl through no more dysphoria or the other way around i don't know that one it's really hard to tell because like there's definitely people that have come up to me at shows on tour and been like oh like you've donated money to me before or like you helped me out that one time like thank you so much so i imagine those are people that probably have heard about the organization first and then the band and then as far as people that learn about the band first and then the organization i feel like that must just be through like word of mouth or something i guess i don't know because i don't know how else that probably happens organically. <laughs> uh, and you recently like hit the milestone of paying for someone's entire surgery, which is like super awesome. And I know it was kind of like one of your goals when you started. Literally, that was like my number one goal since day one. Like I, cause you know, whatever, like you sell a, a, a t-shirt costs what? $5 to make. You sell a t-shirt for 15 bucks or something. At the end of the day, you're making a $5 profit probably. So like fundraising was really slow in the beginning because, you know, what do bands do to make money? They sell merch and t-shirts and things like that, right? And music. But an organization doesn't have music. So right off the bat, your biggest asset is gone. So we were selling like merch and t-shirts and stuff, which whatever, like that's cool. Just to like raise money at shows and stuff. So that's like what we did in the beginning. So a lot of the donations we were making in the beginning stages of No More Dysphoria were really small monetary amounts because whatever, we didn't have it. And, you know, I can't even begin to tell you how much money I've put into it just from my pocket. Just like, you know, someone hit me up and be like, oh, like I need a hundred bucks for HRT. And if No More Dysphoria didn't have anything, like I would just pay for it because like, I can't like, I don't know. You should see the emails that I get on a daily basis. There's just no way you can like ignore them if you saw them. So whatever. Um, then so i always knew that i wanted to pay for a full surgery knowing that our monetary donations have always been a smaller increments i just always thought that would be so cool you know like to be able and whatever so when we finally reached that goal it's, it wasn't like tens of thousands of dollars like how most surgeries cost but i'm still proud of it it's still happening i don't know it was it's really cool to just see a goal finally reached that you've been working towards for like the better part of five years yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I mean, are there any uh, similar goals that you have for Hit Like a Girl as far as like uh, level-wise similar, not not necessarily like the same type of thing? Pitchfork review. I feel like that's a pretty realistic uh, goal, you know? I've always wanted a Pitchfork review and I would just really love like a cool support tour where we play like 200 cap rooms, um, maybe get like a $250 guarantee, which is not a lot to ask for. You know, um, just like a tour that pays for itself and everyone eats. And um, I don't know, I think that would be a lot of fun to like get sound checks every day and like play venues in green room. For sure. Yeah. I, do you have uh, any bands in mind that you'd want to open for? Oh boy. I mean, literally a million. <laughs> uh, Tegan and Sarah followed me on Twitter. So I would definitely love to play with them. That would be fucking sick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then I always like to wrap up the same way, which is just by asking for a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about lately that you want to share, whether it's music or life or whatever else. Um, music related, everyone can play music. Um, if it's something you really want to do, you have to just do it. Um, I know it sounds stupid and easier said than done, but 
anyone can do anything that they want to do as long as you put the time and the effort into doing it. Anyone can be a rock star. Anybody can be on stage and, you know, sing and rock out and do whatever. And as far as life goes, I'd probably say similarly, the same advice, just in a different context. You can do anything you want to do. Uh, just do it like Nike. <laughs> nice, nice. I uh, just recently got a guitar, so I've been Sweet. working on that. <laughs> can do it. Yeah, it's been, I've been actually having more fun with it than I expected, like, so early on. <laughs> when I when I could turn the half of my brain off that, like, associates music with, like, a career and just play guitar for fun, that, that's, like, I have, so I forget how much fun it is, you know? Yeah, can you talk a little bit about kind of, like, that separation or lack thereof? Yeah, sometimes I feel, like, the pressure that I have to, like, constantly be writing hit, like, a girl songs that are going to be really good that everyone's going to like and, like, you know, it's got to sound like, this cookie cutter, you know, uh, formula of a song verse chorus, verse chorus, bridge chorus, because that's what the radio songs sound like. Um, so whatever, I get like really in my head and go down the spiral about songwriting sometimes like that. Like, you know, like, is this going to be a career song? But when I can carpe- uh, compartmentalize that and put that away, uh, that sort of thinking, and just play guitar for fun and go on ultimateguitar.com and look up funny covers and just like, you know, whatever. That's when I have fun. And that's when I'm like, oh yeah, sick. This is like, I like doing this. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of a book called Processing Creativity by Jesse Cannon. Um, it's, oh yeah. It's a, uh, I thought it was really good. It's kind of like, a, you know, about kind of like how, you know, having that, getting that disconnection from thinking of it as in terms of a career is like really kind of like what, like getting you to that point and uh, how it's beneficial too. I've never read that one, but Jessica Cannon's like pretty well known here in New Jersey because uh, he's from here, but he does, he also has a book called like how to get more fans or something. And it's like literally like a DIY, like how to book, which is sick that I've skimmed through. Um, but yeah, that, that's sick. I got, I got to look that up. Nice. Yeah. And I mean, is there anything else about the album that we haven't hit on that you've been like really wanting to get out? Um, maybe, I don't know. Hard to say. <laughs> um, I feel like, uh, you know, a lot of the articles and stuff keep mentioning, uh, the features from pedal and Barty strange, which is great. Um, but I feel like we also got to talk about Scott to network playing horns on boomerang, which thank you so much. Um, my friend Dave Long from a band called Fires Motion plays horns on Wanna Be Loved, um, which is really cool. My friend Zachary Fisher, whose birthday is today or yesterday, um, plays in a band called Good Looking Friends. He played synth and was like kind of just my emotional support through recording. Um, so I can't thank him enough for doing that as well. Um, so a lot of other cool features that, you know, needs a little more love. We may be at the end of the episode, but don't fret. I'll be back tomorrow with another great one. Be sure to check out Hit Like a Girl's new album, Heart Racer, as well as our AGL Sounds live session, which came out last month. And why not give the What's the Buzz playlist a spin while you're at it too? The link's in the show notes. Find the Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. A special thank you to Joel Funk for coming on for What's the Buzz, and as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at flyonthecallpod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at flyonthecallpod at gmail.com. Go outside and enjoy the sunshine. Fly on the call.
Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11.